Then it is the future. Okay, I know it we're is the past. time traveling, but I think right now we could talk about what has happened now, which is the past. Yes. Okay, so today we went on an adventure because I've basically the, the way we got the van that we used for touring was that a my I already wanted to purchase a van. I knew that um you had like, dreams of living in a van. I had dreams of being living in a van down by the river and um I had a different car and I was thinking about trying to sell it and get a van because we were starting to get like we were pra- we had been practicing for like a little while. We wanted to book some shows. And this is back in 2018, 17? 17. Was it really? Yep. I, I feel like by the time I got Van, it was 2018, though. No. Because the first tour we did wasn't in, it was with um, Rorick. Right? Oh, so right, I think right, I didn't right. actually so first, get we did we had a friend's you're van. You're right, you're right, you're right. And then it was like, all right, we're really doing this. It's time to get a van of our own. Our own little baby van. And so then I was gonna I was gonna sell my car, uh, and it was conveniently, inconveniently, I don't know. I'm you still need a, you're not I've, putting any air quotes on this. It was not conveniently stolen, if you know what I mean. It was literally inconveniently stolen. Oh no, yeah, it yeah. was stolen. It was stolen. It, it was stolen. Yeah. Um and the people that stole it then ended up like using oh, they it used as it to a getaway car. Cars. Yeah, it was yeah. wild. You but... got a lot of security footage of just your car <laughs> doing crimes. It was, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, it was a whole ordeal, but it did result in um, that car. I think they they totaled they it. They totaled the car. Yeah. Um. Anyway, insurance luckily did cover that situation, and that's when um. I got right on Craigslist and I found the van that has been the tour van for many years now. And um, the thing was, so so the original car was stolen from outside of the house that I lived at. And then we got this tour van and it was awesome and lovely and it was like in great condition. And then um, shortly after I got it, someone broke in and, and stole the radio. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck this shit i'm not going to just fix it because it's more than the radio it's um like getting your your window smashed it was just like ah over and over and and before the other car was stolen someone had broken into i i lived in a very car breaky any area right (laughs) it was the pastime anyway so in that moment i was just like whatever we're gonna use a bluetooth speaker and we like can just take it in and out of the car and then then the car looks like a piece of shit and there's no reason anyone will want to break in and to the credit of that logical path um it i've never had anyone try to break into the car since then but it it does does suck it sucks the bluetooth speaker sounds bad you have and to charge it. It always dies. Yeah. Then we just like drive through the ten tundra, hours, ten hours in no silence. Things. Yeah. It's needing just... to talk to each other. Oh, we've had to like drive through Tornado Alley without like a radio. Right. To know if and like we literally happening. had to text our old crazy boss to watch the Weather Channel for us. Yeah. And live update us if we were going to be in danger, um, because he just. He watches the weather channel twenty four seven. The weather, yeah, he really he, he 
some yeah he loves the it's weather like his channel peaceful place <laughs> but um <laughs> anyway the point is finally today today so actually many days ago uh, four for when weeks ago out. we're just thinking about it because this is april 6th right so but, four weeks ago we bought a radio and it did mark a huge change it feels weirdly like monumental just because we've been driving around without it for so long yeah we put it in and immediately it, it was felt like better oh my god this is so much better this isn't like a slight improvement in my life this is a major, major improvement. improvement in my life and i was like why did it take me so long to fix this i knew like logically there was a there was i was just like i don't want more people breaking into my car you know yeah i'm just not even gonna f- I don't know, but that was so many years ago. Yeah. (laughs) You have moved. I have moved. I live somewhere else. It's like, why did I... I moved three years ago now. Yeah. 2020. Maybe it was two and a half, but still, it's... um, That's a significant amount of time. That I should have been driving around with a radio. We've gone on so many tours. 70,000 miles worth. Yeah. Yeah. That's 70,000 miles without a radio. So then now, I mean, so you posed the question as we were driving, what is Is this? Is there a deeper lesson? (laughs) Is there a deeper lesson? And unfortunately, I feel like there There totally is. is. Yeah. Um, It says something about me. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it says something about you and I think it says something about society. What does it say? Well, I think that people when faced anybody when faced with trump like this is why we need to work through trauma Mm -hmm. essentially it's like the reason why because it limits your ability to enjoy things that are otherwise enjoyable totally you know because the thing is is that if like if if a trauma if a traumatic event occurred and you carried it and it didn't negatively impact your life outside of it then it's kind of like you know, wax on, wax off. Yeah, but that like is but very that's not, that yeah, negates that the very nature, nature of trauma. trauma. Like yeah. that, yeah. So it, it's not because I guess what I'm saying is that if you trying to like learn from events, if you that were live very bad. through an event, yeah, you know, like basically, you know, logically, if you have survived something, yeah, then you won. So like everything should be fine, but that's not the way the human mind functions well even if you survive and win you carry effects of it that change your ability to enjoy life yeah you know yeah and that's that's true on every single level so like with the radio it's that like you're you're it's a it's a trauma response to theft yeah i was just like well i won't have anything that's stealable right how about that how about that and (laughs) And the thing is, is that even if you just if you just did cost benefit analysis of even if your radio was stolen every six months, you know, like at what yeah. point, like it's it, it's it's like a question of what where does it actually tilt the scales? Because if totally. your radio is getting stolen every five years, uh-huh. I think it's just worth it to have a radio. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Even, I mean, even if we go, like, extreme, you know, like, at what point is the actual cutoff? Yeah, like, every it, week? Probably. Not worth it. Not worth it. It, t- it genuinely is not worth it. If your radio's yeah. getting stolen, if your window's smashed and your radio's stolen every week, 
not worth replacing. Right, not it. worth working through radio trauma. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I, no, radio trauma has now justified itself. Well, now we can justify radio trauma and we can justify a radio police state. I guess is oh yeah what, yeah 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 okay then it's, okay you know yeah, then, yeah. then 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 it's like okay now my solution isn't I guess it's a question of like is it systemic or is it psychological I think that a radio getting stolen every couple of years is a personal problem you know yeah it doesn't it doesn't fall on society to uh -huh. protect your radio. Sure. Your radio's getting stolen every week, then you hire a, a radio militia. A radio then security guard. It's like that that's where it like actually justifies itself. Yeah. Um every few years, yeah, if if, if I had replaced the radio instead of having no radio in the last few years. Well, I mean, think years, about like the I, I mean, even just added costs of like all of the Bluetooth speakers that we've bought, all of the electricity that we've used charging those Bluetooth yes. speakers, all of those Bluetooth speakers that we have lost. Totally. Yeah. No, no, we've definitely spent the same amount of money. Money. <laughs> uh the money has been the same, but our enjoyment cuz it does again, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it has created a system that sucks. Yeah. Which so I'm like, well, this says a lot about like you personally, but also just it like does say a lot. The, about, no, I mean, it, it, I'm it's making me think about other parts of my life. Well, but <laughs> but the thing is, is that like this like piles up like through society because there's mm -hmm. a lot of people concerned about their rate like in one way or another their radio that got stolen like a few years ago. Yeah, and then that because it's just like a an an anecdotal personal trauma response that stacks across all of society that's when we start to have like entire stretches of towns where you can't pee in a bathroom or you know uh just like basic austerity politics like no more parks right because there might be crime in the park mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know yeah uh don't don't let your children go to the park they will be crime debt right i think there's like a like an obvious tie there because it's like literally about crime right but then oh, I'm, oh yes, i'm the even personal, seeing yeah. it in like personal life traumas that then carry um when they like it's not that it doesn't make sense why they carry but it's the uh the cost benefit the, the cost benefit is not necessarily uh, oh, it's not justified. You yeah. know, it yeah, doesn't yeah. actually justify itself. It just feels like I, you know, I, it makes sense. You're trying to learn from things, mm -hmm. but but you maybe, can learn but too bigger... hard. You can overlearn. Well, you <laughs> can overlearn. But I, I guess the thing is that, like, I think that we are, we are kind of brought up. I mean, it's in like every single archetypal story that gets read from like an early age mm -hmm. and every single lesson and and society reinforced constantly and it's it's hard to it's hard to get away from the fact that you know this is the water that we drink yeah uh, that uh we are taught to be um protective and seek justice yeah. you know kind of like above all other costs uh-huh and and like be vigilant and and all of that and we're not taught to um enjoy our lives like that is yeah. that isn't a lesson because that's a fundamental thing because you, you're like oh i need to 
you're even in the in the case of like oh i need to learn a lesson from this the lesson has to be like i must learn justice or i must learn discipline like for myself and my radio or the radios around me um but i i think that the lesson that could be learned is having something like that occur and then being able to see that like life is still worth living radio life radio radio ownership is not is still worth it Mm -hmm. you know and that's not a mindset or an outlook that is that is reinforced to be the lesson that you learn. No, yeah. Y- you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like, I, I mean, I personally, I have like, well, now we're getting really, because I, yeah. I, I used to, I feel like as a kid, I don't know if this is all, I was like pretty naturally kind of like seeking happiness. Uh-huh. And I, my parents would even, come, like my mom would come at all the time and be like, you're so happy. Like you're always trying to do stuff that you find fun. Uh-huh. Like, how weak yeah well like the implication is like um i mean i think there was like a little bit of jealousy from her because she's so disciplined and um and sort of self-torturing and but don't she really she nailed that in now it's deep within me and now i you know yeah but it's look at that i guess it's just like i i think that that's a I, I just think it's a huge misunderstanding about because it's like, oh, I'm self-disciplined to be miserable. But I think mm-hmm. that at the same time, you could be self-disciplined. It's just like to be, be happy. happy. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like it's those things are separated as concepts. Yeah. Because I do think I actually th- again, this is like the entire reason I'm doing the podcast uh, is to save your brain um, <laughs> and uh, save society's brain, because I think that if you do not have the discipline to be happy and the discipline to find new things to be excited about mm-hmm. that like it it does rot like yeah. it's a muscle that rots totally and there is not there is no source of information out there saying that that the, the, those two concepts are actually the intertwined to, yeah and the right that you mean that the the part of you that is open to seeking happiness through new experience through learning through embracing um finding things that excite you yeah uh despite the fact that opening yourself to that level of vulnerability can also make you find stuff you hate or make you you know oh yeah that kind of yeah but but that but that it requires discipline and Mm -hmm. practice it's that those like discipline and practice is so divorced from happiness and joy. Oh yeah, and almost like literally. They're seen like as like opposites, opposites on the Venn yeah. diagram. Yeah, but the, I think that there is a huge overlap, and that if you aren't willing to practice happiness, it doesn't just come natural. Like no, I guess that that's to say that no emotional state just comes naturally. Yeah. Like, they're all practiced and disciplined in one way or another. Totally. But society, uh, I, you know, through just at school, how everyone else was brought up for a thousand years, it just all adds up to a belief that discipline is only attached to, like, chores and misery yeah. and... And all of that, but you have to be like a soldier of happiness. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of okay. You know the like, 
this is, I don't know. The, you know the like uh, hard work will set you free thing that was like the Auschwitz. I know, I know. I'm <laughs> Jesus just like, Christ. That goes in my head when I'm practicing sometimes. That's horrible. <laughs> That's so bad. I know. That's so bad. I know. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> You've got that's like a cultural memory. I know. Just like so, that's I know. so sad. I know. That's so sad. <laughs> I shouldn't say that out no. loud. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> I gotta change that. You have to. <laughs> That one's bad. That one's bad. We were talking about like the origin of brain worms and like we were trying to figure we were trying to figure out Joe Rogan's brain worm. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Oh, we just found yours. <laughs> oh, like that is that is your it's villain so origin up. story. Yeah. That it's one's like really bad. Fucked up. That one <laughs> I don't know. Like sticks. I, like picture it. The gate, yeah, the gate. The, the gate. I picture it it's, while I'm practicing it, it, sometimes. Yeah, that, that's bad. Well, no, because that, that, that's that's yeah. idiokinetics. What does that mean? Um, <laughs> so this is like vaguely hippie shit, mm-hmm. but uh, Gary Burton, the vibes player, coined it and like taught it for like a long time. Okay. My mentor taught it to me, and it's uh, idiokinetics is like a method of practice where you associate imagery with like a given passage of music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a memory palace kind of thing for yeah. uh, remembering pieces. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's to it's to bypass. It's the difference. It's not to remember pieces. It's to enter flow state to cross the mm-hmm. boundary between just playing something. Yeah. And performing something. Totally. So you like you associate like patterns and musical phrases with certain images. So then instead of thinking like something mechanical, like, yeah, like left hand, right hand, right. left hand, right <laughs> hand, you're thinking apple, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're picturing an apple. Yeah. But in your case, you're picturing Auschwitz, <laughs> which is seems very bad. It's not for you're like doing, remembering or like right. for flow. I guess it is for flow. Yeah, exactly. Practice. Exactly. Huh. You've, you've done, you've done a very bad idiokinetic. Huh. You, it's just like, no, it's to- like, I don't know why you're, you're playing and you've just got Hitler. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is that that's like a changeable thing. Yeah. That, yeah, because well, I do when I'm doing the idiokinetic it, I mean, thing. I, I build like new. It, like I'm not having a but no no I do now <laughs> I didn't when I was a kid and it yeah. was forced but I didn't used to picture that then I picture that now I don't know. <laughs> Krinsky. I'm just letting the Summer truth Krinsky. out. <laughs> It just started. We need to get you a new mind palace. Yeah. Like, we'll just, we'll just do some, you know, just just some new images. I'm just going to stop you in practice. It's going to be like summer. It's not while we're practicing. It's only when I'm alone practicing. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to have to check in on you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what's my new image? Like an apple, Anything else? an apple, a tree, okay, a babbling brook, okay, a frog. I love frogs. A Gus, okay. Maybe it's a Gus. How about just anything? I call all frogs Gus. Gus is it Auschwitz? Okay. 
It's just because hard work will set you free. It's a terrible phrase. <laughs> I know. It's it's not it's not like well, you it, know they were kind of right about that one. No, 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 no. I know. I well, no, I just think <laughs> no, <laughs> no, obviously no. I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm saying that it's probably related to my like um, strained relationship with practicing. Yeah, I'd by being say it's forced strange. to be to practice <laughs> for all of my childhood. Yeah. But now I like it. Cool. <laughs> so, but I mean, I think that you can like it and also start to break some of the negative correlations. That's probably not Because you best. have taken it, you've driven it yeah. all the way to Hitler Town. Right. I, yeah. Maybe it's like a, you know, it's like my heritage, like not, like, you know, uh-huh. I come from the Jew. I'm a right. Jew. Right. So maybe right. it's like, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why it's in my head. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, we've entered a whole, whole other space thing. <laughs> that I have to work through myself, all because we got a new radio in the car. <laughs> hmm. Well, anyway, uh, this is I Don't Heart Radio. I'm Summer Krinsky. I'm Scott Murphy. And this could be your next favorite band. Uh, what band are we talking about today? Um, so this is a new record by James Ellis Ford. Okay, yeah. It is really cool. It's yeah. um, psyche, but also super creative like arrangements. I feel like there's two ways to do psych stuff. Yep. You either do like boring straight ahead, just like kind of like droning, or you know, and that's I feel like ninety-five percent of psych yeah. stuff. And then there's like the five percent gems, and this one totally falls into the gems. It sounds great. It's got really cool arrangement. It's like very fun to listen to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you ever heard like the seventies Eno stuff? Like Maybe a uh, little. Another Green World. Uh those those records, I, I feel like those would be like the kind of like spiritual twins in okay. that world. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of similarities between James Ellis Ford and Brian Eno. Mm-hmm. Um in like James Ellis Ford is mostly a producer. Yeah. Like, that's what he's spent the last twenty years doing. Uh like he did some gorillas stuff, uh Arctic Monkeys. All of that. He's just been producing other people's work. Oh, he did the Arctic Monkeys? Yes. My goodness. Yeah. Let me tell you. I have this whole... Um, you. I think you've heard me right. say this. Well, I just have a whole... I think that the Arctic Monkeys are either secretly the most famous band of all time. Because I feel like no one oh. thinks of them as that Oh, but huge. they are. Oh, they're huge. They're, I, just telling... Because from like ever just using a dating app, it's ev- it's so many people's Every lyric. favorite. Yeah. Band, yeah, and I don't understand that. No offense, the Arctic Monkeys. I think they are. I don't love it. Fine. Yeah, yeah. I, think I just it's don't fine, understand why the, they would ever be considered your impact, favorite yeah. band. Um, um, I mean, the records just sound good. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they're yeah. fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. But favorite, favorite band. Yeah, this is bold choice. Yeah, or not bold enough choice. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, but. This honestly, I was thinking this reminded me a little of. Did you ever listen to, um, Didi Dumbo? Yeah, yeah. He was like a four AD uh, artist that I, I feel like never got that big, but is awesome. Yeah, like I think maybe I showed you because I really. Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. And then same, same. Also in like the realm of uh, Morgan Delt. Don't know that one. Um, it was really cool. Yeah, uh, Psyche but really cool arrangements and textures and 
Yeah. Um, Morgan Delta I got to see uh, at UFO Factory. It was like one of those classic sh- classic shows um, where it's like he. I had been listening to his a record, the one that has the song Obstacle Eyes on it, for like a whole summer. This is many years ago. Yeah. And um, had been like just it had been kind of the jam of my summer. I was like, oh, cool, he's coming to town. I'm going to go to the show. And there was like, I think I, it's like when you get really obsessed with a band, you think like, oh, they're huge kind of because yeah, they're huge yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. And he was like successful and touring a bunch. And, but I feel like especially in Detroit, sometimes people really have small. Small draws. Small draws when they could be huge on the coast. Um, mm-hmm. And it was also like Monday night or something like that. Went to the show. There was like probably like five people there. And I don't even think like anyone else was that excited. They were just there, you know? Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? This is like awesome. It's one of those things where I was, I was, for me, it was so special that there was no one else there um, and that I was the only one that was super in. And I like, I thought it was like one of the best. I, I, the fact that there weren't other people there was like exciting to me because it was like, oh, holy right. shit, this is like this a personal for show for me of this yeah. person that whose music I've been listening to all summer. And, um, they were like all really grumpy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's the when I saw um, Grizzly Bear and yeah. TV on the radio, they were doing a co-headlining tour mm-hmm. through America. I had just I was a freshman in college, and it was right when both of those bands were starting to break. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like they're you know they're yeah. huge stadium sellers now, but it was just like. They had like their first bit of like college radio hit. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I heard Wolf Like Me, uh, just like on college radio. I was in college. I'm like, I want to listen to college radio. And I just, I got obsessed with that song. And I was like, oh, holy shit, they're coming to, coming to the Playmakers Pavilion. Yeah, yeah. And in Far- I was in Fargo, North Dakota. So I just got like me and three of my weirdest friends to go, like, oh, we're going to go see this show. We're going to see Grizzly Bear and TV on the radio. Yeah. And it was just us. Yeah, that's we were amazing. the only people that went to that show, uh, and we thought it was sweet. Yeah, you know, we were like, it "Whoa, it this so is an incredible show!" Yeah. But like looking back, I'm like, those were like twelve very grumpy dudes. Yeah, like, they just like watched each other play, and then you know they were they were like you know they were happy to see us, but, but they, they were like, were, "What are we doing?" They were doing having with our lives? a terrible yeah. night. Well, and that's. Yeah, I remember the energy from Morgan Delt being just like I'm, ha- like I was like super excited to talk to him. Yeah. He's like clearly like just like an I'm having a bad, a bad time. time. And, and I try to really remember that when we play every time a show we play. that yeah. is maybe not super um, well attended, but there are there is an enthusiastic if there's person. I really try not to shut people like that down because I remember. Yeah, I just remember that moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so cool to see you because yeah. I'm like 17 years. <laughs> old you yes, know like yeah. oh this is so cool and, and I, like, it is yeah. it literally is, it is cool. cool for that person yeah. it's way cooler than if they were like obviously i understand why for as the musician <laughs> on the other side cool. yeah. it's much cooler when there's hundreds of people there but for that for that one 17 year old it 
it kind of is like game changing cool. It, it really. Oh, I do think that that is one of the formative moments of my life. Yeah, I like mean, that show. I was uh-huh. like, oh, I want to. Because the thing is, is that like I didn't have any of the jaded perspective of like I've played five hundred shows <laughs> on the road and like I'm wiping my ass with a pine cone tonight. Yeah. You know, like I don't. I I had none of that. <laughs> I saw them yes. do that, right. and I was like, oh. I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> this is sweet. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. This is awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. But all to say that this uh, song we listened to today, the person we're talking about today, say, say his name. James again. Ellis Ford. James Ellis Ford. Um, the music reminded me of that same vein of Morgan Delt, of Dee Dee Dumbo, just really cool psych stuff with its own unique arrangement. Um, it sounds great. So I, it is, I can yeah, see the, the production. The production. Is, is really, really... Um, very on point. And I do think that's it, it's interesting because this is coming out. This is his first record. Oh, really? Yeah, because he's just been on he's, produ- producer. He's side. been making other people's records for twenty years. Wow. And so, like, this is the one he has. You know, this is his. Yeah. And it's really fascinating to have that perspective put. Uh, which I I think is where it has like the Brian Eno thing because Eno was just producing other people's records. He was playing in Roxy music, and then the the solo Eno is very, very. It occupies a very same like special curated space mm-hmm. that uh, that I feel like this is just like spiritually akin to because yeah. it, it has like the intelligence and the experience of working on so many records that aren't your own but still finding a way to like distill your own personal like you're you're putting so much of your own personal life into it because it's like the stakes are raised right 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 the stakes are raised because this is your first this is the expression this is the personal personal right yeah because especially like all the records that he's been working on those are those feel like the the producer's mindset, like Eno's mindset of you spend so much time figuring out how to pull someone's self out of themselves. Yeah. Like that's that's your job mm-hmm. in that place. Like you have to train somebody else to to show their personality on a record. Yeah. Yeah. And the Bridging the gap between getting someone else to do that and getting yourself to do that is a, a huge process. Yeah, totally. No, I um, it, that makes me think of the band that um, um, what's this? The, the Paper Chase, um, the Saint Vincent producer, um, John Congleton. Right, right. Um, I mean, he did a bunch of other people too, and um. But his, did you ever listen to the Paper Chase? I this never, music no. doesn't make me think of no, no, that. But, but, but the, the the producer, but then like hearing the character of a, of someone who's had an effect on a lot of different people, hearing it distilled into like what part is yeah them kind of well that's you like a John Vanderslice is the other. same yeah that's yeah. The, it's just like such a specific sound it, yeah. it, but but the thing is, is that it's not because spe- John Vanderslice doesn't sound like Eno doesn't sound like James Ellis Ford but the way there's something that doesn't sound like each other but the way that they're approaching the process is incredibly similar totally yeah 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 um so this is a first 
single this off is the of first single off of the first record. record okay cool um so the song is called i never wanted anything and it's off of the record the hum which comes out on may 12th 2023 the hum the hum oh fascinating oh yeah our right. first uh, the first called. summer like the season record is called hum no this the. is the hum i see you know it's separating it out huh. um i just loved and, and then there's it's the story of the song that's like presented it i never wanted anything except for what i have like it, i mean it's very beautiful there's it's like it all breaks down in the middle in like one lyrical passage where it's um uh i opened myself to look for god but he hasn't i i'm paraphrasing a little bit uh-huh. uh, but he hasn't shown himself perhaps he's behind the books that i keep on my kitchen shelf uh but uh, you know, so it's like I, I'm I'm searching for something deeper. I'm yeah, searching yeah. for God, uh, but uh, but that's okay. I'll just go down to the river and feed the geese, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's that just feels like such a distillation of the entire. I feel like that's the the kind of unlocking of this entire record. Like yeah. if, it, if it, I think it unfurls from that place. That is. I guess my prediction on how the record goes. We only have the one song. Peace in the peace in the mundane. Yeah. Or or you know that it's such a big cuz I'm searching for God. Yeah, so that's I'm even making just peace. my I'm uh, making my first record. Yeah. You know, like I'm trying to touch into something big and cosmic, but there might not be anything there. Yeah. So I have to feed the ducks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was I uh, feed the ducks and wash my face. That's the <laughs> that's, that's the, the line. line. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um it just it's a really cool song. What's the song itself called? I never wanted anything. I never wanted anything. Except for when I do. It was, it was is this is the follow up yeah, line? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I yeah. <laughs> there's just there's just so much there. Uh-huh. Um, when's the record come out? Uh May twelfth. Sweet. I mean, yeah, this song's really cool. I'm I'm very um anxious to hear more. Okay. We're gonna roll into a back half and I just kinda wanted to shout out uh like another like really influential producer. I figured it was like, you know, producer episode. Sure. Um is this back ha- that the back half? Oh, we're in the back the- half. Okay. Great. I think it's very it's this not, is very this, flowy. This, this one isn't gonna be about um Scott entering the internet. It's no longer that segment. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is always different. What producer are we talking about? Uh, so uh, Spot Locket mm-hmm. um, just passed away, uh, like age 72, and they just had a really important place in like the like American DIY, DIY recording. I don't know anything about Spot Locket. Okay, sweet. What a name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's stylized like it's very specific. Okay. He, he liked it spot with a dot in the O. That is like his official. That's like his his name. Whoa. Yeah. Spot lock it. Spot lock. Spot it. lock and drop it. Uh. So he was a uh, part of SST Records, which was the Black Flag label. Mm-hmm. Uh. So like late seventies, early eighties. Uh. The. Uh, <clears throat> The front man of Black Flag started SST Records to just put out Black Flag. Okay. Uh, and then that turned into um, 
the archetype for the American DIY label. Uh-huh. Like, you know, small indie. It just, you know, they just wanted to put out their own music, which was at the time, uh, like, unheard of. Yeah, right. You know, to, to assemble an infrastructure to... Of your own. ...record music, uh, produce physical copies of music, distribute them across record stores across the coast, you know? Yeah, yeah. At the time... There was no one outside of like people, you know, people that owned everything. Yeah, totally. So it's like trying to build your own road. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, that's all of the like get in the van stuff. Like, you know, Rollins at his best is you know talking about this very specific time uh, in uh, uh, in America. Totally. Yeah. Which is also Rollins at his worst because that's where he gets really boomery. Where you know, it's like, oh, this is. We we created the road, and now no one else makes their own road. No one else is working hard these days. You're all right. just getting yeah. on planes and playing festivals, and it's like, bitch, you're rich. <laughs> like yeah. all you everyone around you is rich. Yeah, like uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're still doing it. Uh, so you know the fate of the boomer. Uh, but at the time, this was really cool. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so. The thing is, is that like you know they they start forming the infrastructure, they start you know signing other bands, but it's it's not until Spot gets involved that they're actually able to produce records that people want to listen to, mm-hmm. and uh, and I I just think that that's really important because he wasn't like you know he wasn't a cool punk like you know e- everyone else. He was a guy with a bunch of microphones, right? And like willing to Perhaps do it, like the nerd on staff. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Turns out very necessary. Super necessary. And that's what takes a, uh, you know, there's the the gumption and the willingness to tour that like a black flag does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ability to have music that is listenable yeah, distributed yeah. to people outside of people that are just at shows, mm-hmm. pretty huge. Yes. Um, and... Those are, uh, this extends into like signing Husker Du, which is the bridge between like hardcore and alternative that, mm-hmm. and that those records are really sweet. And let's so like Spot did Zen Arcade. And that's a really, you know, it's a really important record. And it's all, you know, it's, it's Minneapolis punk. And that's the, the bridge between just like dudes screaming and dudes writing songs. That's uh-huh. like very important for music history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um did he make did he make music himself or was his role really as he producer? He played um it's like he played bass in Black Flag for like a month. And yeah. Then? He, he was just like not for me. <laughs> you know, he That's he just wanted to record other yeah. people. That was like his calling. Uh and you know the the records that he did they're very raw, open and honest. He kind of like referred to jazz engineering a lot. Yeah. Like which is very interesting that those those early uh, like American hardcore records are being engineered with a jet like the the mic techniques and the way that things were captured in the room. It's like from the perspective of a jazz engineer. Well, it kind of makes, it makes sense, a lot of sense to me when I think about it. Yeah, it's like it's a very like live in front of audience uh if it doesn't of, feel it live, to, yes. If it doesn't feel live, you're not actually getting. You're the not translating the experience. Point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's. I think that that's like a very, like, important producer mindset. 
is that yeah. you have to you have to translate you have to find what's special about the thing and that's what has to come across yeah because there's plenty of genres that where i don't think you in fact you not only aren't necessarily transferring the live experience you almost like you know oh you have to like take it out you want to yeah exactly yeah but with with that kind of music it's that is the key that's what like make that that unlocks the the emotion i think yeah, yeah. so um, okay, so he's producing all these bands. He oh yeah, doesn't want to get on the road. Doesn't? Yeah, I mean, he's producing this, and he and his like the bulk of his work is from 1979 to 1986. Mm-hmm. He he creates the American DIY scene. That's uh, wild. Yeah, and that's like <laughs> that's that's his legacy. It's uh, it's the direct. You you know, there are some great. Uh, Albini threads on the importance of Spots Records because, yeah. like, without Spot, there is no Albini. Mm-hmm. That it's the the archetypal um, person who is part of the scene. Yeah, who is there to document and there to translate the experience of what's going on in kind of like a regional dialect. Yeah, and it is kind of like archival. It's like kind of. It's just accurately reporting music history, yeah, via recording it in the way it's meant to come across. <laughs> it's kind of I've never. I mean, I I obviously I like I'm an audio engineer and I like engineering records, but I never have thought of it in quite that way. Of, it, it, uh, it's a it's a fun way to think about it. Yeah, it's a it's like it's an entirely different role and. It's hard to to see it like outside of the scope of history, mm-hmm. like what the next one will be, because it's without the benefit of like looking back 30, 40 years and going like, oh, you you got all of that. What the know? next scene or? Well, or the next like who like the next who's the next great archivist? Like it, because uh-huh. until there's an archive, yeah, there's there's no telling. Well, I think it you know there's a lot of the conditions that have to happen to make the archivist, like for a scene to exist, yeah. like because you know obviously Black Flag super influential, but it was like a scene of a lot of other bands inspiring right. each other and kind of coming together and, and like localized. Yeah, like well, there is right. something. It's yeah, specific to an area and like for Detroit, obviously there's Motown time and then there's also techno time and those were like huge scenes and then of course garage rock with you know white right. stripes and everything. So um, those scenes have remnants that like will forever live in the city. Um, here but the times of I think that the like the highest thriving times of yeah, those yeah. scenes of like their birth you know that kind of that that is th- those are archived by you know people like that that we already know um what is the next one and where it where it's happening um that's I, I don't I know. mean I don't think I don't think it's possible to know yeah I, I guess that's the, the thing point. we don't know yeah. I- until it's gone that's yeah. the like that's the 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 irony of it and the the kind of like cruel fate of like dedicating to archiving is that it doesn't it doesn't show its importance until the thing is no longer alive. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have to be doing it as it's happening and have to you know there's a lot of like foresight and faith 
in what you're doing because it doesn't it doesn't make sense until it's done. Did they were getting pretty big though? They were getting it, right. Yeah, they were getting big. I mean, Black Flag was getting big. Mm-hmm. Husker Du was getting big. Uh, I'm talking about specifically like through the lens of like Spot Locket because it's yeah. it's a relatively brief like career. Because he didn't do much after. No, I mean he did like huh. an occasional project for a friend, but he he fully dedicated just like seven years uh-huh. to this is what I do, and yeah. this is going to be the beginning and this this is you know this yeah, is yeah. the beginning and end of the scene. Uh huh. And it's it once he stopped doing it, that whole thing started to kind of fragment and fall apart. Right. Like yeah. that's. His ability to translate these, you know, disparate parts of a, like, very disorganized creature yeah. is what makes it function. Totally. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of, um, it's what makes it magical that it is a short time, though. You know? Like, as things... um I feel like it, it's a uh, we like try to recreate those moments <laughs> yeah. sometimes, and um, the thing is when they just kind of obviously every you know it inspired other things and other things inspired. Oh right, know, right, right. Oh, it, it lives its, on yeah, in it its own way. It. But there's there is that like crucial time where it like that's the snapshot that yeah. really matters. And I, I guess it's like analogous to. Because at the same time, that's Factory Records over in the UK, which I'm going to make the band watch 24-hour party people on tour because I keep saying it's like... You've tried, I think uh, so you've tried times, to get me yeah. to watch I've it. I've tried to I get think, Liam to watch it. I, did I fall asleep? I don't think... I think you I think you fell asleep. I think I yeah. fell asleep. You fell asleep. I'm sorry. It's very important. I know it's very important. It's very important. That I watch that and don't fall asleep. <laughs> well, it's... It's the same spirit, just the Manchester edition mm-hmm. of archiving. Uh, there is a loose network of people that kind of work with each other and against each other and, you know, fight and fall in love and all of that. And it's it's condensed in like six years of yeah. intense activity. Do you think that the Internet is going to create that in new ways that are less location based? Well, see, that's I, I was kind of like thinking along those lines, and there's a degree. I'm trying not to just be a boomer about it. Yeah, because I know my immediate intuition is like the internet has killed this beautiful thing about humanity, and then I yeah, in an in an effort to not just be um, a negative person, when I really think about it, that, that can't be true. It's probably taken location out of the equation. The thing is, is that I think I think that it has taken location out of the equation because it's like we could say like MySpace bands. MySpace mm-hmm. bands was a thing and a totally. scene and That's all of true. that. But the thing is, is that I don't think that it has as lasting of an impact because there isn't a there's something about the locality of a scene where you're like forced to interact with people on more than just like trading tracks back and forth. Oh, but MySpace bands, I think, have had a hugely lasting impact, don't you think? That era of music? Paramore's still cranking it out. Yeah, I know that Paramore's <laughs> still cranking it out, but... They're like, all where... still cranking it out. Paramore's the only one that's still listenable. Right. But <laughs> but where's the... Uh, where are the... Char- like, where are the characters and the... How are you getting the 
like the personality out. There's not there's not enough like lore there. I'm was there not lore behind like Fallout? These are the people that I think of when I, well, I think of fueled by Robin. I mean, Robin. the lore of Fallout Boy is that they got famous immediately, and then like they kind of like they married like actresses and supermodels and stuff. You like, just think it's what, not as fun. They might just not be as fun of people. I, well, yeah, well, but I'm <laughs> saying that I I think that what creates funner people is interacting with people totally yeah yeah you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like it, it's there's just there's more interpersonal drama and interesting relationships when people have to live with each other yeah it, it's just that I, I i guess at the internet age is the start of just like you blow up from nothing without having to have a relationship with people but i mean i think there were like I would say, you becoming the remember how you get like a background wallpaper like you are the yeah you go to well, my okay, page alternately and uh, okay so I'm gonna like like difference it's a different relationship that you grow with your fans because you become part of their identity in a like in any well way. in a parasocial way yeah exactly. yeah but exactly. I don't think that that makes for like I think it's that more parasocial less literally l- like social. lore yeah <laughs> like le- le- legend stuff because mm-hmm. it's uh. You know, if I'm just kind of like spitballing through history, the Brooklyn scene of like 2006 to 2010, mm-hmm. which is not, that's like locality based, uh, yeah, 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 strokes, TV on the radio, uh, and many, many others. Yeah. Those, that's, that's people interacting with each other. That's right. like creating, there's, the, again, there's, there's a degree of, community and lore that's there and they're feeding each other musically like they're supporting each they're going to each other's shows, shows. they're opening for each other they're like um, those feel like those are like human relationships that you can still yeah. see exist today uh-huh. that are like outside of uh like tabloid culture right but I'm sure those human relationships existed I'm just thinking of the MySpace scene like I just maybe we didn't get like the the audience didn't get fed to them in the same way i don't see how i don't see a way in which it did because it's like it's all like these are four boys from connecticut right these are four boys from uh like middle of texas these are four boys you know they're from just new like Jer- i feel like they're new all from oh new yeah new jersey and, and <laughs> i don't but know why i feel like new jersey really had its there was definitely a strong days? new jersey presence yeah <laughs> and it's just it, it it just feels like an endless series of like built up like it's just like something from nothing mm-hmm. just over and over and over again well, I guess that's kind of the thing of why we like with this podcast we were talking about just like the story of people and and that the part that's the part yes. that seems to sometimes be missing in the um in the or it's either missing or so constructed when it's there. It yes. feels so shaped. It's like with 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 um Bands that don't have a manager or a label or, you know, a press agent or anything like that. There's they, just nothing. There's just nothing. Yeah. And then with bands that once, do. Once you hit that, like, uh, that that growth it point. It feels really constructed you've and got, you've got a team of writers. Yeah. And they're right. They us- the team of writers usually write that this person's very DIY. Which yes. is a very confusing yeah. Yeah, 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 thing yeah, yeah, yeah. to do. Yeah. Because 
you're just literally yeah. that's just literally not what it means. It's kind of like how indie turned into it. Like it's the indie isn't a genre, it just means independent. Uh-huh. But now it's, you know, top picks in indie. Right. Uh uh-huh. so you know, and now DIY, it's we're we're getting even further into the wormhole where just DIY just literally means do it yourself. Yes. You know? And, and the, but there is there's a team of writers and a director and a whole just like host of people gathered around like one child and they're like you shall be the DIY messiah. <laughs> um but I think that the way it's just like the problem is that a lot of people are kind of sold that um that uh I think that, that like people are reluctant to figure out their own story that they're trying to tell through their music and through their art and what, what the story is that they're trying to put out there about themselves because it gets associated with like branding and that sounds very gross. Right. And as musicians, we are like, um, disgusted disgusted (laughs) yeah but the thing is is that if you don't take control of it then it just takes control of you or non-existent right and that is unfun vacuum for people trying to invest in um like if if there's like a if if i can connect with your music and then find something even just like a tidbit about you some sort of detail that then like makes me feel like deeply connected once i've already right um bought in to oh, the music then, then there's just that that's something like that's what i because it's like that's what i lead with when i'm like showing something to a friend i'm like this person is like had a complete and total mental breakdown it was yeah. pretty sweet <laughs> here's the music right you know like it was this one was pretty good mm-hmm. aliens were involved cool stuff anyway yeah. check out the music yeah yeah so i mean in lieu of having, because like that's the kind of the beauty of like this producer and like a right, good producer. Right, because it's it's just capturing the thing as it was. The thing that is special about the thing without being a branding PR agent. Exactly. Yeah, a very light touch to accomplish. I mean, I feel like that's a. It's like it's a careful needle thread. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the genius of Spot Locket. That's why it, it's so. Uh, that's why he is a revered American producer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's a good spot to wrap. This has yeah. been I Don't Heart Radio. Um, if you like this podcast, you can follow it on Instagram at I Don't Heart Radio Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at Summer Like the Season Music. You can follow me at a ton of underscore mastering. And then you can also email us suggestions if you know some music that we should be talking about, especially new releases. Big fan of that. Um, I don't heart radio pod at gmail.com. Subject line. Practice shall set summer free. Oh, God. (laughs) As I said that, I don't think I've ever said that aloud. It's just something I know. Oh, I saw the instant regret, but I'm not going to let that one go. That's a big... That's a thing to work on. Fascinating to say it aloud for the first time into a mic. Yeah. Well, I've shared that now. So there we go. We'll see you next week. 